So John chapter 6, we'll be starting in verse 41. We'll go through verse 71. I know that seems like a lot. I think we can finish the chapter today, but there's a title to the message, The Freedom to Choose. The Freedom to Choose. We'll be talking about our freedoms today. We'll be talking quite a bit about uh, just everything, the importance of Christ, how Christ has been treated, the impact of the decision to follow Christ. We'll be talking just a lot about there towards the end of the chapter, we see many that went away from Christ. Amen? And uh, I certainly have a heavy heart. I think uh, I'd like to say everybody here at New Lexington Bible Church this morning would consider themselves a proud American. Amen? Amen. And uh, I, for one, I consider myself to be a rather patriotic American. I happen to believe in our Declaration of Independence and in our Constitution and in the history of our country. And I know there's some some stains in our history as a nation, just like there's some stains in each individual history that's represented here today, because guess what? All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. Amen? But just as Christ has made His church a glorious body that will be presented in heaven, perfect, without spot, those who believe in Jesus Christ today... Sins are forgiven and you're, you're made glorious and you'll be presented before the Father without spot, unblemished. Amen? And today you've been given freedom from the consequence of sin because you've been given freedom uh, from the bondage of sin because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Amen? Now I, sh- I should clarify, sin may have consequences, when I talk about being made free from the consequence of sin, I'm talking about freedom from the eternal damnation and judgment of Amen. sin. I think maybe I should clarify that a little bit better. Uh, if you want to live in sin as a Christian, you may very well find some chastisement from God for doing so, which would be consequence. Amen? Let me clarify that. But let's get to our chapter this morning. And uh, I believe the Lord's going to bless this message. I just have a heavy heart for my nation. And I'm sure most of you do as well. It's sad to see a country that's gotten so far away from God and so far away from what so many have laid their lives down to protect. And it's just it's just hard to fathom it. But today, we're here. We're going to celebrate what God's done for us and we're going to look into His Scripture for guidance and clarity and wisdom. And we're just going to thank the Lord that He's given us His Bible today. Amen. So John chapter 6, let's start here in verse 41. If I can find verse 41 myself, here we go. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Remember Jesus was having this conversation with the people (laughs) that were actually Jewish people who were exalting the works of Moses and kind of minimizing the miracles of Christ. And they were saying, well, Moses gave us uh, you know, manna from heaven and, and show us a sign. And so we went over that last week. And so Jesus gives them this truth that He is the bread. Amen? And, uh, and so what happens is, verse 41, right here starting out in the message today, the Jews then murmured at Him. Uh, I want to just... Make a side note here on the sin of murmuring. The sin of murmuring. You see, they murmured, and it tells us why. I mean, if you look at it, it says, Because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They murmured because Jesus said, I am the bread. They murmured at the truth of who Jesus is. 
They murmured at the truth that Jesus is God in the flesh, Messiah and Savior. That's what they're murmuring at. Uh, they, they minimize the person of Christ. You look at what they said here in verse 42. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? They're minimizing who he is and murmuring against the truth that he's given them. Um, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? Uh, you could maybe uh, make note of this. The world today is still murmuring at the gospel. Amen. Rejecting the Savior and minimizing His importance. All three of those things that we've seen in those first two verses we see every day today. Rejection, denial, murmuring at the gospel in a number of different ways. If God says, if your Bible says that I can't live like this and Him still love me, then I don't want anything to do with it. Murmuring against the truth of the Bible. Amen? The Bible says homosexuality is an abomination unto God. Well, and then so what? They murmur because, well, if God says that, then that's not a religion that I want to have anything to do with. Come on. The fact that this gives us instructions on how to live is enough for us to murmur against it. People don't want the accountability that comes with being a believer because this Bible holds us accountable for our conduct and for the decisions that we make. And so many murmur against it. But specifically murmuring at the gospel. The biggest ones, and I'll give them to you. People don't want to address the fact that they're sinners. Amen. Come on. Amen. People don't want to be called sinners. Amen. It's offensive. Who are you to judge me and tell me I'm a sinner? Because, no, because you've justified yourself for the decisions you've made instead of lining them up with the Bible that says you're guilty before God. Just like I'm guilty before God. And everybody here this morning was guilty before God until we accepted Christ as Savior and received forgiveness of sins. But guess what? We're all sinners saved by grace. Amen? And the very first thing you need to accept in order to accept the gospel of Christ and get saved is you have to accept the fact that you've sinned against Him. That's the number one thing. And because they have to accept the fact that they've sinned and that they can't save themselves, in other words, they can't make up for their bad, they reject the Savior. And in doing so, they minimize the importance of Christ. Many people today minimize his importance and they make public declarations of, well, there's a number of different ways to go to heaven. There's a number of different ways to believe and we all believe the same God and we just call him different names. No, you're wrong and that's a lie. There's one way to heaven. Jesus Christ. The way of the cross leads home. There's no other way to go about it. And so here we, we see Jesus has given them the truth. He is the bread which came down from heaven. They've rejected that. They've murmured against that. They've said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Verse 42, whose father and mother we know. How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, murmur not amongst yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. 
Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. There's some powerful things right there. First and foremost, whether somebody wants to hear it or not, in order for somebody to believe the gospel, they have to hear the gospel. And for them to hear the gospel, one must preach the gospel. And if one's going to preach the gospel, God must have sent him to do so. We see that pattern today. It's the same pattern that God the Father gave Jesus Christ, the Son, to do the will of God. He, Jesus came not concerned about who would be bothered by the message. He still delivered it. Amen? Well, one thing that we see here is an important truth, and it's a fact. If you're going to go to heaven, you must go by the way of the cross. Not just the cross we wear around our necks. Not the cross we hang up on the wall. But the cross of Jesus Christ that He was crucified on. Amen? But it's... uh, It's the way of the cross that they murmur at. It's the fact that being a Christian comes with some burdens. It's the fact that following the Lord means putting some things away in our life. It's the fact that the Bible teaches us things that we should come out from among them and be separate. It's the fact that the Bible tells us we shouldn't be yoked to unbelievers and that we shouldn't be fornicating. And it tells us that we should abstain from drunkenness. And it gives us instructions on how to live a holy life before God because it's glorifying to Him. I mean, He died for us. Is He asking too much that we should live right for Him? I believe He's entitled to the right to ask us to live any way He wants to ask us to live by because He's the one that gave it all up for us. Amen? Amen? Amen. But you know what? That way is a heavy burden sometimes. But that doesn't mean we have a right to murmur about it. Sometimes it is a heavy burden to forgive our enemies and to love them. Sometimes it is a heavy burden to realize if I'm going as a young person that I'm going to follow Christ, the world's going to reject me. Sometimes it is a heavy burden for our young people to be made fun of because they believe in Jesus. Sometimes it is a heavy burden for adults to tell the company, I can't be a part of the company party. It's just not my scene. I'm not going to be there where you're drinking and carrying on. I'm sorry. I just have other commitments. I can't make it or whatever God gives you wisdom to say. Sometimes it's a heavy burden to go by the way of the cross. It's a burden that the unbelievers murmur at. But the Bible instructs us who believe, murmur not among yourselves. Christ has not asked us to do anything that's too burdensome for us. Amen? Love God with all your heart, with all your might, all your strength, all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. And everything we do should fall within those parameters. And by doing that, we learn that by loving each other, serving one another, loving our neighbors, and loving God, we are fulfilling all the commandments of Christ. What's hard about it? Sometimes our sense of uh, personal violation gets triggered by the way people behave towards us. 
And sometimes that can be a hindrance. Um, you know, I mean, I drive a truck for a living. About the time the 1,000th person for a day cuts me off and makes me slam my brakes or swerve to a bit, I get agitated. Come on. We all, you know, I depending on where we're at and what we're doing, you walk through a grocery store and you hear somebody just using profane language about the time you've had the 30th or 40th person pollute your ears with all that garbage. You start to feel a little offended. Can make your heart harden a little bit towards them. But we should be instant in prayer, but we should not be murmuring. We should just be doing what the Lord's told us to do. Hold your spot here. I'll give you a couple verses on it. Go to 1 Corinthians for a second. Chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This first point, Jesus is uh, rebuking the sin of murmuring. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we have uh, Paul using the example of of Israel's murmuring that provoked God. Amen? We should understand this as Christians. If we murmur against our Lord for what He's told us to do, what we're doing is we're provoking God to anger. Chapter 10, starting in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1, Paul wrote here, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the seas, talking about Israel, um, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all uh, drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. I love how Paul, he makes the connection because, you know, Paul was a Pharisee and had mastered, you know, the law and the Old Testament writings. And he's showing in his writings to the New Testament church how everything that happened in Old Testament times was pointing to the person of Christ who would be coming as Savior. Amen. And so here we know that uh, the rock that Moses smote and they drank from it was an illustration, a foreshadow of Christ. Amen. Who was smitten for us. But it also is a, gives us a little bit of clarity. Why was it that Moses couldn't go into the promised land? Because he had sinned, amen? Because he was human. But he smote the rock the second time when God told him to speak to it. Why? Well, because Christ is not going to be smitten twice, but once. And so if the rock is an illustration of Christ, then by smiting it, instead of speaking to him, he disobeyed God and it cost him. But anyhow, a sidetrack. I chased the rabbit there. Apologize. Um, verse five, but with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. We know that happened for their unbelief. Now these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Uh, well, that seems to be today, America. Um, the people are sitting down on God and we have the, a country that's eating and drinking and partying and everything as in the days of Noah and they have no idea what's getting ready to happen. And maybe because they won't listen and hear the word of God. Uh, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. You see that? So this is just an example there. I'll give you one more. 
in Philippians, and then we'll go back to John. Go to Philippians, if you will, to chapter 2. You probably have done this as a memory verse. Chapter 2, verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. What, what, the, what God is telling us today, what Christ is telling us is, we ought to do better than they did. Follow, see what happened as an example to us. Realize that murmuring provokes God. And so here back in John chapter 6, we see them murmuring. Jesus says, murmur not amongst yourselves. Uh, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So we're back in John chapter 6 here. Look at verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. And we kind of covered that a lot last week. Verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, uh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So we see here, second part of this message is the importance of Christ. We see the importance of Christ. The cost of our freedom is in fact here in sight. What Christ is illustrating here and what he's talking about is his body being broken for us and his blood being shed on Calvary's cross for us. That's the reference that Jesus is making. Um, we know that it is by his crucifixion, by the blood that he shed, we're saved by the blood of the crucified one. Amen? Uh, let me give you a couple of verses on this. Go to Ephesians, if you will. Ephesians chapter 1. Get you flipping through your Bibles this morning a little bit. Ephesians chapter 1, look down at verses 12 through 14. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14, Scripture reads this, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. You see, we have to hear it and we have the freedom to accept it or reject it. Amen? And so it says right here, in, 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 in whom ye trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Let me also point this out. We were talking about uh, this uh, Calvinism stuff that's out there uh, pretty popular uh, today which teaches that man has no ability to choose Christ for himself and that he's predestined, you know, that there's a predestined thing going on with them and their doctrine. Uh, well, hold on here, because I believe this verse says, you will trust Christ after you hear the word of truth. In other words, um, you hear the word of God and you trust Christ. And so, in fact, 
it wasn't a decision that was already made on your behalf without any contribution of yourself. Amen? Come on. Uh, you hear it, and it says this, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, so verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Christ was brutalized on the, cro on the cross. Amen. Our freedom came, it wasn't free, it came with a price. The price was paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. The price that we see uh, is, the, is His crucifixion, but it's the price He paid in order to purchase us who believe. Amen? Uh, another one on that, just go to Colossians. A couple pages over here, past Philippians, Colossians chapter 1. Verse 14, and it reads this, In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And then you know we were in Galatians chapter 5 already, and that one said, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He paid the price. And He paid the price for us. Uh, the promises, the privileges of our covenant were purchased by the breaking of Christ's body and the shedding of His blood. This was the price paid for our freedom from the bondage of sin and from dead under the law. And why Jesus is referencing this to these Jews and people that are, are struggling to believe and get it, different dispensation... And so they're trying to piece together what Christ is getting at without the understanding of the coming crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of the Savior. In addition to the fact that God saw to it, their eyes would be blinded in understanding so that they would reject it and so that the gospel would come to us down the road here, okay? But what Jesus is pointing out here is just as we partake of food for our body, we partake of the crucified Christ for our souls. Amen? That's exactly what he's giving them. Uh, and so we'll move on a little bit. So where did I leave off? In verse 51, verse 52, and then look at verse 53 in John chapter 6. So we've seen the importance of Christ. We've seen them murmuring at the truth of the gospel. Um, all of these things, very relevant to today. As we've discussed already, people murmuring at the Bible, uh, people uh, minimizing the importance of Christ and what He did for us on the cross. They, they try to change what happened at the crucifixion. They try to change uh, the doctrines of the resurrection or they change uh, the person of Christ or who He was. They, you know, they, Some teach that He was a man that became God instead of the fact that He was God and came from heaven to be God in the flesh. And so all these things, and the Scripture tells us all about that. Uh, but moving on here in verse 53, Then Jesus said, said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him, as the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, 
and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. I love this. Listen to this response in verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples when they had heard this said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Now, I have to say I can kind of understand a little bit of why their first response to what Jesus has said here is a hard saying. Because he's basically told them they have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And they're looking at him like, now, now hold on. You know, like, I, you, Jesus, this is not making sense. But you know what? Here's the funny thing about what happened. Has not Jesus showed himself willing to reveal any parable that he's taught at this point in time? Would he have withheld knowledge of what he was talking about? Would he have not revealed to them the truth that he was referring to? Did they even bother to ask? Do you see what I mean? They just drew their conclusion. This is hard. Who can hear this? Who can accept this? Uh, and, and the thing about it is, um, what he was talking about is partaking of the fact of his crucifixion and the flesh that was broken and the blood that was spilled in order to bring them everlasting life. That's what he's talking about. And, and we know that. Uh, so he was speaking uh, about his coming crucifixion and everything, and they were really wrestling with this, and I kind of understand it, okay? I can understand why they would be wrestling with this. Do you want to know something I can't understand? I can't understand why today people are wrestling with God made man in his own image, male and female both, made he them after his image. That's, that's hard saying for us today. I can understand not understanding what Jesus was talking about in a dispensation under the law when he says you'll eat my flesh and drink my blood or have no life at all. I can get somebody wrestling with that. But you're either man or woman. Where, what are we doing? It's the simple truth of the matter is if we want to wrestle around with one of God's truth, we'll find a way to do it. Or we have wisdom to just go to him and say, Lord, I'm having a hard time with this. Would you help me to understand it? Would you open the eyes of my understanding, eyes of my enlightenment, that I would understand your word and be able to apply it in my life? You see, just the point that I made of the things that are happening today is the same truth that we see right here. Many reject the Bible because they do not like what they hear themselves. Amen. It's about personal preferences and whether or not God shows a standard that's against their own desire. Many reject the Bible because they do not like what they hear themselves. Uh, these people that we're seeing here, this response, I want to kind of I want I want this to make sense. In verse 60. When they said, this is a hard saying, and then they said, who can hear it? In their language, what they're kind of saying is, I cannot accept this and neither is anyone else. That's what they're saying. That's how that translates. This, I'm not going to accept this as crazy. And not only am I not going to accept it, nobody else is going to believe this either. I understand. Nobody's going to believe this. Nobody's going to believe that Jesus just said we've got to eat his flesh and drink his blood or we're dead. 
See how they're going to start changing the thing? That's, that's the attitude that they're having. I, I don't even know if I can tell somebody he just said this because they're never going to believe it. That's the attitude we're looking at here. And, and here's the thing about it. This is the attitude of so-called, quote, higher intelligence. Come on. Modern day religious scoffers who assume because they find the Bible hard to believe, no one else is going to believe it either. Come on. And if you do choose to believe the Bible and they find out about it, they treat you like you're an intellectual deficient person and that there's something wrong with you. No. No, there's something wrong with you. Because you think you're smarter than God. Um, they avoid proving that they're right and instead make unstable Christians doubt if they're wrong. That is a common tactic and we'll get to that as we finish up the chapter when you have an encounter with the high intelligent religious scoffer that knows more than you and wants to convince you why your faith is in something that's not real or whatever the issue is jesus is very real they don't necessarily give you a sufficient evidence to try to prove that they're right they only try to plant a seed of doubt in your head that you might be wrong that's that's the tactic they used it's not that they have to get you to agree with them. It's just they just have to get you to doubt if you're right about what you believe or not. And it's because our walk is by faith and much of what we do is by, it's, it's by faith and not by sight. Okay, but let me give you a couple, couple verses to help you on this. Go to Isaiah 55, if you will. We do good to remind ourselves of these truths from, from God's Word. Isaiah 55, look down at verse 8. Here we've seen the Jews wrestling around with what Christ has taught them. I've compared it to the way many people today wrestle with the message of the Bible itself. And here we have in Isaiah 55, look at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Come on. Amen. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So it is. Amen. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands do you know that that god giving us that glimpse of his creation work in conjunction with what he's saying here about his ways are not our ways and his thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways he's explaining to them just as you can't understand how the rain comes from heaven and waters the earth and brings forth food, get it? He's pointing out that there are difficulties in understanding some things of the Word of God, but now we're going to turn to something here. He's, he's pointing out here, if you just trust His Word, it'll bring you peace. If you just have faith in Jesus, 
It'll bring you peace and comfort and joy. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to have a doctorate degree or be able to explain it all. You just have to put your trust in Him and He'll take care of it all. One more on this. Look at verse 1 Corinthians for a second and we get, we get something real good here to pull it all together. Dealing with hard sayings, who can hear it, or those things that are challenging to understand in the Word of God. We've talked about those who just don't like what they hear and reject it. They discount it. They minimize it. They don't want it in their lives. Well, maybe this has something to do with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 14. But the natural man, that's the unregenerate man. That's the unsaved man that doesn't have the Holy Spirit in him. That's the unbelieving man. And it says here that that natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. What we find out here is that those things that are hard to believe and rejected by many to their own death is pleasant and easy to believe for those who trust in Christ, giving us joy, life, and peace. Amen? What they are wrestling with here, because of the contents of it, this is a hard saying, eat his flesh, drink his blood. We have the privilege of the Holy Spirit giving us the discernment saying He's talking about the crucifixion. He's talking about the body that was broken for us. The blood that was spilled for us. And we get great pleasure and joy and peace and comfort knowing the price that our Savior paid for our freedom today. Amen? And so that's what it's referring to. Then we see here... Verse 61, when Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples murmured at it, He said unto them, Doth this offend you? Now, now, capture this. So there's focus here is now a little bit less on the multitudes. Now He's dealing with those that are following Him. Amen? Uh, the focus here is kind of away from the Jews that had been wrestling around with Him. Now He's dealing with those who had been following Him. And we know some were following Him for loaves. And because he fed them, this stuff. And so here's the thing. There's a lot of people that claim Christianity today. They follow him for different reasons. But when the test gets put down to the matter, there's going to be a lot of people who find out their faith really wasn't in Christ. Amen. And here's an example of this. Doth this offend you? Verse 62. What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? He's saying if the crucifixion offends you, what's the resurrection and the ascension going to do? Amen? If you can't accept that God sent them, how are you going to accept that God received them back into heaven in the glory? Amen? If you can't accept the God in the flesh in front of you, how are you going to accept the God on the throne of judgment above you? If you would. It is the Spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. Which we just looked at in 1 Corinthians, did we not? The Spirit that gives us life, the flesh has no profit in it at all. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him. Come on now. We're looking now at a glimpse of the apostasy from Christianity. I mean, I understand that this is a different time period 
but it is a force that we can look to this and we can see how apostasy works today. First of all, we find this. A corrupted and wicked heart searches for a reason to be offended. Come on. A corrupted and wicked heart searches out a reason to be offended. They, they found this reason here in his, in his teaching that eat my flesh, drink my blood to have life, right? But today, if someone wants to bad enough, they'll find an excuse to quit. If someone wants to bad enough, they can come up with a reason, self-justify, make something up, sit here every Sunday, wait for Pastor Brian to say one thing they didn't want to hear and take off and they're done. You could, and I'll tell you what, if you wait long enough, I'll eventually give you something if I haven't already, because I'm just, I'm just Brother Brian. I'm just a regular guy. I'm doing my best for the Lord. And that's the same thing. There's a lot of pastors standing in pulpits today just waiting for an opportunity to quit on their church because people didn't do what he thought they should do or whatever the issue is. It's a, we have a relationship. Amen? Where's the relationship at in that? Uh, it's, it's, it's people are quitting. That's what's wrong with our churches out here is people are giving up. Finding some reason to be offended. We go down here, look at verse 65 and 66. Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. And this is the one that breaks my heart. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They went back. Went back to before they were following Christ. Went back to the way they were before. Went back without ever actually receiving conversion. Come on. And then they walked no more with them because they found the way of the cross too offensive for them. There we are today, America. And here's another truth that we see illustrated here. When one backslides, many go with them. When one backslides, many go with them. It wasn't just one that wouldn't follow them anymore. It was a whole group that followed after. You ever been through a church split before? One goes, many follow. Offended for some reason. All we know is not walking with the Lord anymore. Or not wanting to. Or whatever the case is. Apostasy is an infectious spiritual condition. It just it just bounces from person to person and it could really do a lot of damage. Uh, the Bible teaches us this, we must conform to Christ because His Word will not accommodate the unbelief of man. We're to be conformed to the image of Christ. We're to, let, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're to let the Holy Spirit of God conform us to the life He wants us to live. His Word will not accommodate our unbelief. The entire truth of Christ's teaching in this end of this chapter was this. Those who by faith feed upon Christ must also by faith walk with Christ. If by faith we feed upon Christ, we enjoy His benefits... We must also by faith walk with Christ. He paid the price to give us the freedom 
to choose. What we see here is, as we see, many, many, many here have departed. I think we ought to just finish up the chapter and I'll close out today, okay? Um, verse 67, then Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Will ye also go away? Seeing how many others have left, are no longer walking with them, are no longer wanting to do right, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Smart answer, right? We've made our decision, Lord. We've come too far to turn back now. Where else are we going to go at this point? Just because you've said something that we're having a hard time understanding doesn't mean we're just going to kick off, take off, and we're done. Where else are we going to go? And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know whom I have believed. You've believed. There's no going back. Thank you, Lord, for that. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve? I love this. And one of you is a devil. <laughs> he calls out Judas right there. You see that? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was, for it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So we see this. Many lightly come and lightly go. Many lightly come and lightly go. But it's your choice today. Abide to your blessing. Depart to your peril. That's the message of the Bible today. You want to leave this Bible behind and forget that it ever had a part to do with your life? You'll find peril. You may still be saved if you're actually saved, but trouble will come your way. You want to live by the Word of God? You want to walk, with, you want to walk by faith? You want to trust in the Lord? Uh, well, you'll abide to your blessing. You'll receive the blessing and comfort that comes from the Lord. But the question before you this morning, will you also go away? You've been given the freedom to choose. Christ didn't chain you to a church pew. Right? Christ didn't come into your bedroom in the morning and smack you upside the head and force you to sit down and read that Bible. He's not going to force you to pray. He's not going to force a relationship on, on you. You have the freedom to choose. Will you also go away? I hope your response will be like Peter's. To whom shall we go? They made their choice. Have you made yours? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you that you've given us freedom, Lord to choose each and every day what direction we want to go, Lord. You won't make us do anything. You're not exerting Your directive will into our life. There's a directive will. There's a permissive will, Lord. We thank You that You've allowed us the freedom to make those decisions and to learn from them. God, we don't always make the best decisions. And sometimes we make the wrong decisions. But we're thankful that You've given us an opportunity to acknowledge those things maybe we haven't always done right. And we can come to you at any moment before your throne of grace and ask for forgiveness. And, we thank, and we're thankful for your mercy. Lord, if there's one here today just wrestling with decisions they've made, maybe they feel they've made a wrong decision or took a wrong turn or two. Or... The question is, will they also go away?
And I would like to believe anyone here that's saved has accepted you as Savior would be sitting here this morning thinking, Lord, I, I know I haven't made the best decision, but I've got nowhere else to go but to you. I know that I've done this or I've done that, whatever it may be, but Lord, I'm coming back to you because I, you're, you're, you're it. There's no, there's no, nobody else can do anything to help me. You're my Savior. And I would pray this morning, if there's one here that's taken a wrong turn or two, that they would just recommit, ask you to help them, strengthen them, ask for your forgiveness and uh, for your blessing on their life. Maybe, I don't know, Lord, I don't know the hearts of every member of my church. If there's one here that's thinking about quitting, God, I ask that you strengthen them today. Give them the blessing, the love, the support that they need to make the right decision, Lord. I don't want anybody to quit, and I know that you don't want anybody to quit, Lord. Um, I see people quit church all the time for one reason or another. Maybe some are offended. Maybe some have been offended. I don't know. But God, I ask that if it's your word and it's your truth that somebody's wrestling with, God, that you will touch their hearts and give them the understanding that they need to be at peace and to be comforted by the blessing of your Bible, Lord. Your word is truth, and your truth will march on. We thank you, God. You're so good to us. You're so merciful to us. You're so gracious towards us. And you just pour out your love on us, God. I ask that each member of my church would just have a pouring out of your love in their life. Bless them abundantly, uh, above and beyond. Uh, anything that we can ask or think, Lord, reveal, reveal the hard sayings of the word to us, God, and help us to be obedient to them, to walk by faith and not by sight. God, if there's one here that's uh, never gotten saved, Lord, I ask that they would pray today, Lord, I believe, save me, forgive me for my sins, and give me the promise of eternal life that you've declared in your word. God, if there's one here that's just struggling with their daily walk or a heavy heart uh, because of things going on in their family or whatever it is, God, I pray that you give them comfort and strength today. Give them peace today, Lord, and help them, Lord, uh, continue in, a, uh, in the fervency of prayer on the behalf of their loved ones. God, help us not give up on those that we love, those that may be lost, those that are backsliding or have gone the wrong direction with somebody else, Lord. Uh, Lord, just help them today and help those of us who are affected by those decisions today. Help us stay strong in our faith, Lord. Help us stay faithful to you. God, we give you all praise, honor, and glory today. We thank you for our country and the freedoms that we have. We ask that you uh, just would be a blessing uh, to all those in our armed services, God, that you touch each and every one of them. Lord, remember those families that are dealing with the heavy heart of a lost loved ones and give them comfort and peace, Lord. Give protection to our military. Give protection to our nation. And God, we pray for their well-being. And uh, Lord, we pray on behalf of our country, Lord, that we'll have a revival and turn back to you, Lord, before it's too late. God, we just ask that you will bless this day. Bless everyone as we leave here today, Lord. And uh, keep everyone safe out there as they uh, go to visit with family and friends and, and everything that's um, scheduled over the next couple days. Maybe just a day of rest for some. I ask that you'll bless them, Lord. And um, God, as we stand to sing our invitational hymnal, I pray if there's 
Uh, any more uh, prayer that's needed in the life of anyone here, God, that, that they would just continue to pray, maybe come forward to the altar and pray. We thank you for answering our prayers. We thank you for always listening, and we thank you for always loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and...